All right, here we go. One, two, one, two, three. And I turn like a Marilyn Monroe. Kind of woman I can never say no. <laughs> <laughs> Make me scream. That's the girl of my dreams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast on Prince. Wow, I get my titles together. Uh, my name is Michael Dean, and your name, sir, is? I am Big Sexy in Sack. Man, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing well. A lot of things cooking in the legal field, and business is picking up. Love it. All right, well, we are here to talk about some prints, and shout out to all of our Patreon listeners, supporters uh, who hold us down. Also, shout out to all of our original podcast listeners over there on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and uh, Google Podcasts and the, all the other ones out there. And of course, shout out to all of our YouTube family, which I don't know if this will be playing on that because we're going to be playing music and stuff, but salute to y'all. Um, but really just salute to our Patreon people. Uh, we definitely are doing this for you. Uh, so today we're just going to have a long conversation, hopefully long conversation about Prince in terms of the music, in terms of like the production, how the production changed or evolved over the years, the sound, and we listen to some songs, um, some songs that maybe have been influenced and sort of like set the stage of the times and things of that nature. But um, yeah, so that's just wanted to do that, man. I was just listening, to, I always listen to Prince all the time, but just sitting at home and I was listening and I was just like, man, I was listening to some newer stuff actually. And I was like, this, I could see this had came out back in the day. This just sounds like it's got updated sounds to it. But the feel of it is, to me, I was like, this is like the time song. And actually, let me play one of the songs I'm talking about to get it started, I guess. Uh, give me one second here. Hopefully I don't, they don't just start playing all of a sudden. Give me a, give me a second. All right. So even something like this. Like to me, I could hear this. I like it when you dance for me. Hallelujah. Can you hear that, Big Sexy? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh. Yeah. This is from the MPLS Sound album. Thank the Almighty for you, baby. I could actually hear this as being a time song. Hallelujah. Just that little groove right there. I like it when you dance with me, baby. Like it when you, you dance. It gets me hot. A little bit play. Like it when you shake everything you got. I like it when you dance, cause it's so sexy. I like it when you dance for me. I like it when you think. You know, when you hear the Camille voice, it kind of makes me think, that, oh, this is gonna be. But if you took that out of it. To me, this is not like it could have been some time shit or something. Like this would have been pandemonium. I think if it, if it was a time song, it would be a little more crisp, you know, a little more snug. Okay. All right. So that's what kind of started me thinking. I was just like, man, this this is a newer song, you know. 
uh, in comparison when it came out. But I was like, this, when, that, when I think of Prince, even as a hardcore person, I think of Prince, I can easily hear that and I don't even question like, oh yeah, that reminds me of classic Prince, if you want to call it, you know, old school Prince. But I was like, he always has that sound. That's his sound. Well, yeah, I can say that's his sound. But so anyway, I don't know. What, what do you think about that song as in general, as, as, since we're talking about it? You know, I like it, but as far as being a time song, there was a drum machine stroke that I heard, I'm sure you heard it too, that you automatically think Prince. Because it's the same one he used mm-hmm. in When Doves Cry, when, oh God, and other things too. Darling Nikki, I believe it has it. But it's that one drum sound that takes it right out of the time universe for me. And also the deep synthesized bass. No, time doesn't do that. Now, if well, you, they again, kind of did, didn't they? Like, again, it was more, it was more crisp sounding, you know? And if you take those two things out, tighten them up a bit, tighten up the keyboards a bit, it could be a time song. It could be the, this is more like the framework of a time song. Well, that's what oh, I'm saying. That's why I said the sounds are a little different. Yeah. But the feel of it is essentially it's that same kind of, like I said, that groove of it, you can hear, I, I could hear the time doing it, well, it's still Prince, but I was like, it just has that feel to it, that timing of it. Though, the, like you said, the instrumentations are of, of, of that time era, of current era when the song's recorded, and not, like he's not literally using a Lindrum. He's using that snare that's very uh, identifiable with the songs back then, but that's it, kind of like, and then of course, you got the chicken scratch and stuff, but it's just an updated sounding Prince type of song. But it's still that, you could hear, anybody could hear that song and be like, you didn't know who that was. And when the music came out, like, oh, that's, some, that's on some Prince. Like, what is that? But uh, I don't know. So go ahead. No, I'm just, you know, I'm thinking the same thing. You know, he does and he did from day one have a very distinct sound, even though it would go through phases because of, um, you know, technology and the time we were in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when I hear it, I hear it. Like, for instance, I heard, um, oh, not Peach. What was the other one on the, uh, on the hits package? Oh, jeez. Like a newer song? Yeah, it was like two new songs on that hit. Pope? On that hits pack. Pope. They played the Pope on the radio. I'm like, wait a minute, I know this. Oh, interesting. You, know? you mean back then you, you knew like that was Prince? Yeah, because I didn't even know that it had been out yet. Ah. I'm listening like, wait a minute, I know this sounds very familiar. Somebody's biting Prince. <laughs> oh, it is Prince. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's, uh... Yeah, so let's just go back, man. I want to take you back to like the first album. And that sound was is in one in a lot of hands is very different from what you sort of associate. I think most people associate with Prince because to me the first album was very much an R and B soul, you know, kind of lush. It was very polished. Very polished. Very polished. Which I love now. Like listening to it. I almost wish some of his later albums had that amount of tension <laughs> placed on the production, just sonically of it. Um, like imagine if, and of course it would be totally different, but 
and I'm sorry, my phone is crazy. If the album, we had this conversation. If Sign of the Times had the production engineering sonicness of it, of the second Prince album. Like, oh. like it would sound, of course, well, it doesn't have the kind of look. I get that. But imagine if you could hear everything was so, I mean, whoever engineered, I should, have, I should know that off the top of my head, but whoever engineered at least the first and second albums, you can tell they spent a lot of time mixing that shit, man. Well, I know on the first album, uh, what's my man's name? Uh, Tommy Vicari was executive producer, but he didn't really do shit. Mm-hmm. But they spent a lot of time and a lot of money doing this album up at uh, Record Plant in Sausalito. And he went way over budget. So that's probably why it sounds so glossy and and slick. And the thing is, the sound is great. But like you said, you take that sound and that attention to detail on later compositions. Oh, damn. We got something to go here with here. You know, I yeah. agree completely. Well, let's play some, one of these earlier songs. So this is My Love Is Forever. And this is actually an alternate mix of the song than what's on the album. like that for some reason it almost makes me think of El Barge or something <laughs> see I'm getting a, like a quiet storm vibe on yeah this. yeah absolutely I love this stuff. <laughs> you would think he's like some smoothed out R&B cat had just slow jams or something. <laughs> this, this is Maxwell, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I can see Maxwell doing this. All right, so that that that's that's like to me when I think of that first album, that's the general feel that I get from it. Of course, you have Soft and Wet. Um, see, Soft and Wet really doesn't fit that album. With other compositions. It kind of has more of a, no, excuse me, a disco-y. A disco. Yeah. You hear the disco influence, right? And I just looked it up on Prince Vault. It was Tommy Vicari who engineered this. Uh, David Rivkin did the vocal engineering on it, but it wasn't accredited. And so I think with Tommy, I just call him Tommy like I know him, you know, overseeing it, that's why it's probably so glossy. I don't know how much it went over budget but there are, are also two assistant engineers listed as well so i think it was warner's making sure the kid knew what he was doing they stuck all these people in there and it may have been too many cooks in the kitchen honestly well yeah and, and remember and we have to remember this was his first album so of course the first album is always going to get the biggest yeah everything out the gate like it's it's, it's going to be right this is big, the big first album. This is a brand new artist. To me, listening to it now, like I can see why it may not have blew up back then. But listening to it now on its own, like 
I think it's a phenomenal record. Like for it to be a, a somebody's first album. Uh, for being that young. Yeah, to being a young dude coming out of Minneapolis. Yeah, wrote and played it all himself. Yeah, it's it's incredible. You know, and of, of that time period that it came out, musically, it sounds, it, it fits right in. Like you hear the, right, the, the big song that hits from it has the disco influence, which was coming out of at that time. It's heavy, you know, very much R&B, slow jam, black, they would call it black music back then. This was exactly that. But, 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 but Prince sprinkles in a little hint of rock, you know, like, oh, okay, well, something else. There's something else. I got, I got a little something over here. You know, I know it's not what you bought this record for, but I can do this too, you know, type of thing. Um, but that, yeah, so that first album, the sound of that, I, I just think is, yeah. It almost makes me think, like, the sound of that album, when I go to albums like... Uh, some of the songs that are on, uh, not Planet Earth, maybe 3121, even some of the later stuff, he seems to kind of go back into that fullness of the sound direction. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, so coming off of that album and the way that that album sounded and all that good stuff, he comes back with this. Hold on. And this is super rich, sounding thick and fat to me. It's like it's undeniable. The crispiness of the drum. Let me turn it down. And this song is. Yeah, and it's like it's. Even the way that this is engineered and recorded, this is so full. Like you hear all the parts and you feel the bass, whether it's in the bass playing or the keys or whatever. There's a bass line that you can feel it. And I don't know, maybe, that, maybe that's indicative of the times that this song, because this song makes me think of. <laughs> And this is that same kind of feel like, oh, it's like, it's so full. And I love this. Like, oh, I, I almost like, wish you just stayed in that period just sonically because it's just like, God damn. You'd imagine like, uh, what's it? <laughs> Ballad of Dorothy Parker. Mm. But, it, but it was engineered like that. <laughs> the thing is, though, we have a completely different engineering team on this. For sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, and and uh, two cats I don't know, recognize the name Gary Brandt and Mark Ettel. They did the engineering. And my man, our former guest, the legend, Bernie Grunman, did the mastering on this as well. Mm, okay. Yeah. That, that brings a lot into it. Yeah, man. And just, again, that time period, though, musically... That was what you got. The, that the was records, the tail in the disco, yeah. The records were very full like that. Even like when I listen to, um, I love like 70s soul uh, or even maybe early 80s, but it's that, um, when I think of uh, shit like Toto <laughs> or uh, Michael McDonald, them okay. records, the okay. way they sounded, 
Bobby Caldwell, yes. I mean, the way the record sounded, though, was just like, ah, like it just smothered you in, in it. That's what I felt like you were smothered in this, the music. I think, and I think part of that, you mentioned Michael McDonald. I think part of that vibe, and I'm going to throw Bobby Caldwell in there as well, and George Benson too, a lot of these cats all knew each other and they all came from that Steely Dan, Toto mm -hmm. mindset and that population of these like really studio techie guys. That's why Michael Jackson hired all of them, mm -hmm. you know, because they're that good. And so I, it, it definitely makes sense that it would, would sound like that. Yeah, man. Now let's, let's get into this one, too. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, go wait, ahead. Wait, wait. You said something about 70s soul. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of that commercial, Hey Love, Hey Love, Sexy Soul Classics. <laughs> Can I borrow yours? No, my brother. You got to borrow by your own. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> my man Greer from She's Gotta Have It. <laughs> That's right. That was Greer. <laughs> He's supposed to have a big career, man. He was gonna be. The, know, he was man. gonna be the next uh, Billy D or something. Greer. That yeah, was man. my dude. Yeah, How man. long did you have to tolerate you ignorant low class <laughs> kid of Negroes? Yeah, I gotta go watch that again. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot all about that. Hilarious. Uh, all right. Here, let me let me get this going here. So another song off of this album, crazy. Now, I had posted on Facebook last night that I was like, in another quantum reality, this is a song on the on the Off the Wall album, written by Prince. Yeah, I can <laughs> see that. Written by Prince, and he went number one. And he was like this upstart kid, like the hot new dude. And I was like, Michael was so enamored with his sound and heard the stuff that he was working on that he has Prince produce. Instead of it being called Thriller, it goes on to be called Baby I'm a Star album. And it's like almost a co-production between Prince and Quincy sort of overseeing. Like what if, what if Quincy had sucked up or somehow Prince wasn't on it, I gotta do it by myself. And and Quincy was like, you're gonna be my, my protege. My protege and oh, I'll produce, you'll, you'll produce the shit, but you know, you'll write and I'll play it. But I'll put my, you know, like Dr. Dre, I'll produce this shit to make it I'll sound. I'll EP cool. I'll yeah. exactly produce. Yeah. Yes, it would have been. It would have maybe we would not have gotten the prints that we know, but I could Head see buster. like he would have had the most craziest songs for other artists. <laughs> and I could hear Michael doing this. Of course, this song becomes a big song for Shaka Khan. Of course, it is covered by many people. Didn't Latoya? No, no. One of the other Jacksons did this song, didn't they? Was it Reby? Maybe it was. A lot of people uh, people have have covered this song. Let me pull it up. Feel for you. Covers. Turn it up a little bit. Let's see. Like the first time I heard this song was Shaka Khan, actually. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't gonna even lie to you. I, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, okay. The Pointer Sisters. Oh, shit. I remember I this. Did it. Yep. Reby Jackson. Top of the Pops. Oh, there's a lot of people. Some of these I've never heard of. Mary Wells. Whoa. 
uh, and then people got the groups I've never heard of. But it, it says something that Shaka Khan has her almost breakthrough, you know, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, second time around breakthrough hit yeah. Yeah. with a Prince song, an early Prince song that most people had not even, had never even heard of. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's wild. You know, it would be really easy, especially when you see when her version came out in 84, you know, the, the short-sighted answer, oh man, she's trying to bite Prince off the Purple Rain momentum. No, because you and I, we're Prince heads. We didn't know this was his. Right. You know, a lot of people didn't know. Someone had to tell me, I'm like, it is? Mm -hmm. I pulled out the album, I'm like, oh shit, it is. I had no idea. And her version, I mean. Her version is slamming. Some could argue her version is the better version. You know, I'm going to put it, I'm not going to get mail on this. I'm going to put her version up there with Aretha's version of Respect. Now, we all know mm. Otis Redding did it, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's, let's get into a little bit of that. Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. And this is groundbreaking at this is groundbreaking on many levels. But just hearing that Melly Mail at that time, a rapper on no. an R&B song had never been done like that. Yeah. And you can trace lineage of that all the way to today. Like whole section of R&B has been overtaken because of this. <laughs> And then when you throw in that harmonica with the great Stevie Wonder. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's, it's impossible to fail. So imagine you're a young prince. You're about to blow. You got Purple Rain's killing them. And here comes one of the people that you love and respect and idolize. Shaka Khan does your song and blows up. But she gets Stevie Wonder <laughs> to play on your show. On the song, you that's it's, it's, that's insane. And this song was a big hit, enormous, enormous hit. The video, it was a different sound. It, it sort of was the one of those songs that helped legitimize, like, oh shit, you gotta you gotta pay attention to rap. It's it ain't no just fly like Shaka Khan's doing it. Got rap on Shaka Khan. That's outrageous. That you know what I mean? Because she was like, a, she is. She or, was a R, straight R and B soul. Yeah, yes. R and B. You know, like whoa, and her to even acknowledge the existence of rap and to put it on her song, and then you got Stevie Wonder on it. Now again, we had most of us had no idea Prince had anything to do with. It, so that's even that would have been even more crazy. And she kills this. That's why I say like. In the quantum world, a Quincy Jones, Quincy Jones sort of overseed Prince type of thing, you can see where them songs, them early songs would have been, not, not taking nothing away from what they are, but you can see how under a different sort of tutelage, Prince's genius would have, would have, would have been at the levels that it becomes later. When Prince is to the level of a, to these uh, more disciplined uh, musician cast that we mentioned earlier, right? You know, I just pulled this up. Here's something else I did not know about this song. 
my man from the system did the keyboards on it, David Frank. Interesting, interesting. Okay. Damn. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, Prince's stuff was raw genius. The early, you know I mean? He was a raw musician compared to what he, he ends up becoming. But if you take, like, those seasoned, ill-ass musicians of that time, they could probably play even play his stuff following what he's doing and really put you know, the years of experience you can hear. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's not a slight to Prince. I'm just saying like no, no, somebody no. who has a thousand, ten thousand hours doing it versus a guy that maybe had four thousand at that particular time, but he's writing otherworldly shit. Yeah, somebody else could probably play it and it'd be awesome. And they got the best of the engineers and people at their you know, disposal. And the thing is, this song got Prince a Grammy for the for the writing of it, mm. and they got her a Grammy for a performance. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, man. That is awesome. Incredible. Let's just keep going, talking that about... That was a jam, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Prince's stuff changing. And so we heard those first two albums. Great stuff, but still didn't go to what we know of Prince yet, in my opinion. Like, So here he comes. And, and, and think also think about how those records sounded that we just played. Sonically, how they sound. And then you get to this. <laughs> loud claps. Now you can tell at this time, music, this, the, the quote-unquote black music has changed. What I think you can really hear is the influence of like Parliament Funkadelic on something like this. Being on the one. It's less glossy. It's not glossy at all, actually. It no, sounds it raw. <laughs> it's more just on the groove, on the you know, on the one. It's James. You hear the James influence of being on the one. Bootsy. Now, I want to switch just for a second, let's say, of the times, and, and I'm not saying that I know it all because I don't, but when I hear other songs that maybe sort of predate this a little bit or are in the same realm, I can see the connectiveness of why the styles change. I think a lot of it is Go ahead. it was 1980, and Prince went a completely different direction, as did Rick James. The skinny ties were in, you know, the, the new wave was really hitting. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying Prince was chasing that, but it was impossible not to be influenced by that. And so with this one, engineering-wise, he did it. This was all him. You know, it was him, Fink, and Lisa on this song and on this album, and Prince produced and mixed and engineered it. And, you know, you, you know the story. It was pretty much a demo. And he turned it in, and Warner's is like, okay, you're going to clean it up? He's like, no. And they released it like this. Which I actually, 
I, I, I almost feel like I don't believe that, but, but it sounds like a great story. It, it makes well, sense for the time to say that. That's why it sounded like, the, well, I just feel like it sounded like that because that's what the, some of the records sounded like at that time. Well, it makes sense because back in the day, you know, a new artist would get a three record deal generally. Mm-hmm. And this is number three and press like, fuck it, this is what I'm turning in and fuck you. And then sales wise, it didn't do as much as, you know, one might think. But critic wise, everybody loved this album. Everybody. This really got him on the critical, on the critics mm-hmm. uh, radar. It really did. Yeah, let me play a little bit of this. This is Motor, Bo- Motor Booty Affair. Oh, hey. This is Parliament. I play this because, t- to my ears, I can I hear like the, the same flow. Like I hear this, I it makes me think of some Prince shit. But of course, this is some Parliament shit, George Clinton. Sound like some Morris again, <laughs> but again, I think they were heavily influenced by these guys. All right. So I've never heard that song before. This is the album with uh, uh I believe so. Yes. Far yeah. Out. Yeah. They got. I mean. I, I, maybe there is. I hope there are the equivalents to shows like this and Dwayne Two Dolls and all that for Parliament Funkadelic. Because oh, there has to be. They got. There has to be. Bang! I mean, it's ridiculous. It's a whole other world. They're, they're a whole other universe, and, it, and it's thick. There's the storylines, and but I, I play that to say like these were the guys that was hitting just before the purple shit started to really take over. But to me, I can hear, ah, okay, I hear some of the influences in this. I hear where some of the ideas may have came from that may have influenced them to have these types of ideas, to think like that, to play like that. Um, I've I've heard stories before, like a lot of people say, like the whole Morris Day thing is kind of a play off of Sir Sir Knowles and stuff. I I don't have it in front of me, but I know there's like a, a dish, semi low key diss track from Clinton to them or something. about Morris or whatever but I could see that again like here's these young dudes coming into what we do and they kind of feel like they're about to push us to the side that was a big thing back then I don't know if they do that I don't follow music as much but remember there was always I mean of course there's the Rick James Prince thing there's always sort of the changing of the guard and that was it was almost like you can't take my spot or there's a new guys are coming to take my spot type of deal they they were running things at that point too they really were the same way there's knee deep then there is aqua boogie like Mm -hmm. damn one nation under a groove you know and they all came up really with like an 18 month period and they were really just blowing the things up absolutely let's and then we jump back into so we just did head this is all sort of the same period of course you can't Play to me, you can't play head and not play something like this. Yeah. Hold on. 
This is heavy with them hand claps. It's almost like this, a cousin of, of head. <laughs> Classic song, course. Uh, it's funny now on my a lot of things I'll see on my timeline, my music timeline would come up. It'd be a TLC and it'd be a TLC. Get it up. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, for some people they think that's a TLC song. That sounds crazy to me. Yeah. But but that isn't. <laughs> that's the way. Didn't they do another Prince song too? That was driving me crazy. I think they I did. Think it was so. on the second album. Oh wait, "Get It Up" was on Poetic Justice soundtrack, but I think they did a Prince song on their albums. Now I have to look. I should. I know some people are listening. It's that song, you idiot! <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting old, people. I can't keep it up. Oh, if I was your girlfriend. Wow. Oh, shit. That's right. Do -do -do. And the audacity to do that song. <laughs> but they did a good job. Now I have to hear that. That's crazy. Yeah, that's right. It was on the Crazy Sexy Cool album. If I was your girlfriend. Interesting. All right, here we go. And this was a big album. Yeah, it was. <laughs> they were one of the biggest groups at the time. And they're doing a Prince cover. Man, get to the song. Wow. I forgot all about this. That sample sounds familiar. Mm. I assume this is Dallas Austin. Production. Hey! Uh. Yeah, you can't go too wrong if you just follow the, the groove. Listening to her version, it makes me think I could hear Sly Stone singing this, like because it's it's such a Sly type of song. But this would really be that would be fun in a in a in a, in a quantum world. <laughs> Prince gave this song to Sly Stone, and this was his comeback record. <laughs> <laughs> This song makes me think of this in a, in a weird way. Mm -hmm. 
which the entire sli- sign of times out makes me think of this. <laughs> those who don't know, this is Sly and the Family Stone. Off of their classic album, Right Going On. And if you don't hear the influence this had on Prince, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Song yesterday, Ooh. and because I got I turned it onto that mind that that headspace because I was watching the Woodstock film, and I'm saying it again, Sly stole the show. Yeah, it wasn't even close. They went up there and did "I Want to Take You Higher" and blew the place to bits. Mm-hmm. He was so far ahead of the game back then. Woo. Yeah, man. That's I think uh, that's I would say they need to make a movie. I believe Questlove is doing a yes. documentary. Yes. Yeah, I and I gotta see. admit, I'm I'm glad it's being done. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna use one of your phrases here. I am low key hating on Quest because I want to do that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't wait to see that if if because I'm sure he's the kind of guy that's gonna pull out some footage stuff we ain't mm-hmm. ever you know just uh yeah, I can't wait. So, oh, anyway, but yeah, you know, we're just sort of in the, the frame of mind of of this print stuff and sort of the influences and things that remind us of that. Um, and so we we, we kind of got off on our head, get it up. And I want to play this next one to just to show the progression of the sound. And get into this now this is 1979 so we're actually going back a little bit remember Prince's demos Probably better than your favorites. Released work.
back to that but now what does it sound like a few years later with more rehearsal practice more practice, knowledge more sheen yeah it, you know slow down the, the tempo a little bit more confidence in that plan more balls yeah <laughs> Prince also had between that song version and this one. Mo pussy. <laughs> I'm saying, man. This sound like a guy that been just learned to start swimming and like, oh shit. <laughs> and like this is the song I think he really was he, he understood how he was speaking to the ladies. He took his time and he goes in. Like this song goes crazy, right? Like he's getting at the ladies heavy. I think this is the when he realizes, like, yo, man, I, I got these. They love me out here, I, and I love them. <laughs> I'm about to holler at these chicks for real. I don't care what dudes got to say about. It. I'm gonna be out here moaning. That's right. And all that. Like he was. He wasn't speaking to us, nigga. <laughs> and a lot of us ain't never been in that position to understand that mindset. <laughs> so we were like, huh? That part right there. That, you understand how soulful and like church and all that, that's that's something else. That's a different Prince. You know, I think you're absolutely right about getting more, uh, more, more companionship because you can hear a confidence here. Mm -hmm. And it's like you said, fellas, I'm not talking to you. So y'all take that down the road. <laughs> Yeah, if, it, it's like if you knew what I know. There it is. You know, I've been on the road, and they love me out here. I've been talking about head and all this other stuff, and now mm -hmm. I have I have benefited from, I have, you know, the cause and effect of putting that type of energy out has come back to me. I'm a different motherfucker now, like y'all. Yep. So yeah, that's why he's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's a turning point. That that song is like okay. He got he be having slow jams. <laughs> you know, I think the whole controversy album is a turning point mm -hmm. because it's like Dirty Mind, but more polished. And you know, and we we know where that you know leads things after Dirty after our controversy. Exactly, and such a the song controversy is such a like I would like it's, it's like a call to arms anthem. You could, would this be considered like his, like his first real anthem type of song? You know what I mean? Like, it's like just a take charge, and I'm the leader. And I'm, I think know, so, you know simply I mean? because it got more exposure than you know, Dirty Mind and mm -hmm. Head. Head was like underground. True. This, this was out front. 
that's perfect. You got it exactly right. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is like he learned from the dirty mind. Now I'm like, okay, the next go round, I'm gonna come out in charge. You know what I mean? Like new breed leader and all that kind of shit. Yeah. The positioning that he positions himself is is a lot more different now. It's like he understands, like, oh, shit, I'm a leader out here. I can start my own tribe. It's almost like Dirty Mind would have just been a pure, I, I've never done this type of record before yeah. album, so yeah. I don't know what to expect. But this one is comes from the perspective, okay, I know, now I understand. Okay, it's a reaction to what I just did. I'm going to do it even way better. You know, I would argue it better, but now I, I can position myself as a confident type of, yeah, I get it now. I know how to write these songs to elicit these feelings and how to position these songs to elicit certain feelings when you listen to it. And see, for me, when he did Sexuality, that was the first time I heard mm. him sing without the falsetto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, what's going on here, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's an important move, too. And then being even more political kind of... Yeah, questioning my own sort of fame that I, you know, you think about it, and what limited fame Prince had at this time, he understood, yo, I can make myself the subject of this thing now. Like, I'll talk about how people react to me. They think I'm gay out here. Yep. They don't. Do I believe in God? He's asking these questions, and it's such a hypnotic. Driving. This is the frequency of it is very hypnotic, actually. And playful. I love that shit right there. And like you mentioned earlier, he took that new wave thing and spent it on it. Like, they, I don't think they're ever like, who would have came with some funked out new wave type? Like, exactly. you know, like what? Exactly. <laughs> and that's what yep. he was great at. He was great at taking what was popping and flipping it in his interpretation. Like you and you, it was, it was so unique. It was its own thing. You know, Rick tried that with the Garden of Love album and the, uh, I remember that visual vividly mm. of him on Soul Train with the skinny tie and the suit. I'm like, Rick, what the fuck, man? And he said, I'm going to call myself Fun Wave. I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> this isn't working. Prince, on the other hand, he got it. And, he, and you mentioned that whole, you know, straight or gay thing. He did that in, in Uptown and he did it again in Controversy. Yeah. Far out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to jump to somebody else just to kind of show comparisons. Uh, this is the great Steve Arrington. Uh-oh. This is way out. To me, I can hear... I can hear possibly some influences of the time on the Steve, but I can also hear how some later Prince stuff, like 86 could 
come from something like this. Steve Arrington also was with uh, Slave. Uh, Slave. We also played with uh, Sheila E. and her family early on. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, that sounds like Eric Lees or something. <laughs> Steve had them grooves, man. The bass. Yeah, this is that was off of his uh, off of his solo shit. Of course, this other one. I just want to play this real quick. This this song becomes influential. There's there's a lot of there's like a lot of songs that were not super mainstream, hitting on every country part of the country jams, but they were so potent because they were not marketed to everybody else. But the songs themselves were like viruses. And you can hear them in songs many years later. And people have careers based off of these songs. This is one of those songs right here. Uh. Of course, Dr. Dre uses this for great effect. With Ice Cube. N.W.A. And many other songs have sampled. Yes. Shit back then. your mind right now go ahead <laughs> what year was that song uh, i have to look it up like 83 83 i don't okay. know let me see because i'll see i'm crazy I'll, I'll tell you here in a second week in the knees my man steve errington so this song came out and it was remastered a few years ago, but we're not looking for that. We're looking for the original. Here we go. Um, man, when did this come out? 80... When was... That's a good question. Well... Go ahead. I'm going to find it. 
Oh, 82. This, 82. 82, okay. I believe it was 82, yeah. <clears throat> you said this song uh, was like a virus and it influenced a lot of people. You know who it influenced? Who's that? You. You. Oh, I know. <laughs> because when I hear that, I can see your music video. I'm like, oh, Mike sounds like this guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hilarious. I wouldn't have put it that way, but okay. Like, oh, I'll take yes. that. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, this song. Like I said, you heard it in, um, there's a great scene in Straight Outta Compton when they're in the club and uh, and they give Ice Cube the mic and he gets to go rap in the club. This one he's rapping over. Oh, shit. And of course, that song, they end up using that, uh, becomes Gangsta Gangster, the song Gangsta Gangster. Oh, that's right. Um, Uses the drums and stuff. And then, like the nigga you love to hate off of the Cube solo album is the same That's my sample. <laughs> um, but yeah, of course, you know, if you look up Slave, and you may not have listened to them before, maybe if you're a little younger or something, you're going to have a good time. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. You know, you're going to be like, oh, okay. I think Slide came out, it was either 7th or 8th grade for me. We are having those little like classroom parties at the end of the you know academic year. And somebody put this on, I'm like, what is this? Okay. Says he's out of, uh, he's from Toledo, Ohio. Talking about Steve Arrington. He moved in 1975. Around that time, he moved to San Francisco where he learned Latin percussion and drumming as well as playing with Coke Escobedo, Pete Escobedo, and Sheila E. So you can, you know, you trace a lot of all of this stuff together, man. And of course, like in the songs he's done, I've become very influential for a lot of hip hoppers. A lot of people have sampled his stuff from all the way from Jay-Z, Jermaine, Jermaine Dupri, Dre, and everybody else. And he's still alive today. Um, I believe putting stuff out. That's the cool so. thing, you know, one of the many cool things about musicians is, you know, when they cross each other's path and they come up with something new and influence each other, other to do different things, like, man, this is fantastic. I love that. Yeah. And, and and since we're here on influences, so controversy, what, 80, 82, I think? 81, 82? 81, 82, yeah. And of course, 81. the Time album, the second Time album. The other thing that's also hitting sort of in the quote-unquote black music and things, there's many other things hitting, but that are close to sound would be like Roger and Zap. Oh, yeah. Oh God! Yeah. And you can hear, you know, Roger Zab, like Steve Aaron. These songs we just played, they also had that. They had that same kind of vibe to them. I throw cameo, some of the cameo of that period in that. But I want to play sort of. I think there's a point where th- these other guys start to get influenced by the Minneapolis music and sound. And y'all can correct me in terms of them being mainstream hits. The Minneapolis sound is not a mainstream sound at that time. Like, it's hitting in the black music world, but in terms of pop radio and you know there wasn't videos. Not they weren't playing across the board. Like where I lived in Seattle, on the top forty station or whatever station we listened to, they wasn't playing that kind of sound necessarily. But you were starting to hear it being influential to some of these other artists who were kind of starting to. St- incorporate these prints sort of things into their music. Uh, you know, go ahead. 
well, arguably back then, you know, looking at 1980 specifically, uh, Get It Up was a lot more, and Cool was a played a lot more than Dirty Mind was a lot. Absolutely. More. So I want to play some Zap. You can hear the influence. from 1985 which you is safe to say at this point Prince's sound sort of dominated yeah, oh, yeah. everything <laughs> Heavy in the Prince background. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> Shout out to Roger Troutman, boy. He was like, shoot, let me go where the money's at. <laughs> what y'all talking about? Let me do my thing. Yeah. But it's such a, that's, that's a, um, what a great homage. What a great sh- sign of respect to like, okay, shit, we're going to have to switch it up. Jump on this train, on this wave, and do, you know, Get a little bit, and we see that all the time. You know, they oh, do yeah. that today. Oh yeah, you know, not not out out of the ordinary, but it is so um, fascinating. I'll play one more real quick. I'm gonna let you say something. Play one more. The great Jesse Johnson. Uh, this is one of his. This is the last song off of his classic album period, in my opinion. Uh, but I always like this song. Some people, I feel like people don't like this, but I don't. I like it. It's so Prince. Anyway. This is Stop Look and Listen off of the Shock of, oh, excuse me, off of the Every Shade of Love album.
jump to the end of this because I always felt like the guitar solo sounded like a alternate world take of the guitar solo from I Can Never Take the Place of Your Man. Check this out. Let me jump back a little bit. No, right when he does his guitar solo. this let's 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 imagine this you take miko out you move wendy to that position and put jesse in at lead guitar damn mm, see personally i would say you take wendy out <laughs> that's fine too <laughs> but yeah I, yeah man but miko's a bad motherfucker. yes he's a bad motherfucker. but yeah jesse yeah, Miko wasn't solo like that. Too, wasn't doing, <laughs> doing that. But yeah, I mean, just the influence of that. And that's at a time, that was in 88, though. That was like way, so Prince is about dropping Love Sexy at this point. But of course, the still being, you know, still influencing some people. And of course, music was very much changing. Minneapolis sound was, was pretty much about to be done at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, New Jack Swing coming through in the mix. But then, um, you know, you've had all of these things. I'm trying to cycle back to where I left off here. Here we go. And this is a song that is so played out to people. But it's a hallmark song to me, and it's this was a different sound, in my opinion, when it dropped. Just this part right here alone is crazy. Stop it for a second. Just to think about that intro, like who is doing something like that? You'd have to have the, I said balls earlier. You really got to be awesome. F the world. I'm going to do whatever the fuck. And this is no, it don't fit nothing. It's just its own 
Like, what is this? You know what that is? I'll tell you exactly what it is. What is it? It's an accident. He can't. He could never rep- reproduce that. Right. Because if you think about it, he can never. Wait, well, I'm not saying he could never, but he never played it live. He would always play that sample. And my man Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top asked him. He's like, "Dude, teach me that guitar signature." And Prince is like, "Man, I was just an accident. I can't reproduce it." <laughs> yeah, you got to feel that. God would just let it rip. And I wonder if most people to catch it. Yeah, and I wonder if most people, if they had did that and then jumped into the song, would they would have cut that part out? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's just you kind of playing around. You don't want to put that in the actual song, do you? Like, no, yeah, I I want that to be. That's how I start. Like, like, damn. Okay. Anyway. And it's the drums. That was actually almost kind of like rap in a sense, hip hop, and, and the aesthetics of that, those way them beats came in like that. And we always people forget Prince was a beat dude. He was about his beats. You go back to the, all that drum program. That was about beats. Yeah. When they tell you he started the track with the beats, because he was a you know what I mean? Like yeah, that's what we fuck with. Boom, boom, It's that same boom bap. It was just, but he just went. I mean, you hear that through a lot of Prince's music. He's nasty with it. It's such a simple song. I can see him like just coming up with this was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna just do you know, it was just like it feels good. Oh yeah, put that, do that. Oh okay, you know what I mean? Like, and he just probably started so simple, but it was so tight. It's like damn, and then you start layering them vocals, and it just becomes this whole other thing. Like, fuck, who else could do something like that? Again, you would probably never put nothing out like that because it just seems so simple and unorthodox, but it's because it is so like, and I'm not using simple in a negative way, but it's just, it's the essence of of a song. It's the essence of that feeling. You don't need to put a whole bunch of other stuff on it. You know, you feel that. The way he sings it, you feel it. You know, it's just it's just a feel song to me. That's why I think it's, it's hard to ever top stuff like that, man. And I know it's because, oh, it's so... Listen, there's a reason why that album is the album that it is. <laughs> it ain't because the songs is bullshit. It's because that's the sound of a man who done been working his ass off for years and done been doing albums upon albums and has perfected his shit. And he's hot. You know what I mean? Like, he's at, like... He's not just like he's a master musician. There were a lot of master musicians at this point, but they wasn't hot. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't. They wasn't at the top of the culture, and, and you know what I mean? Like they wasn't writing hot shit. They could play somebody's shit like nobody's business, but they couldn't create like this nigga. 
And Prince was at that point where he was hot. And the thing is, this is an almost an indictment of the record industry because back then you had record people running the labels and they just got out of the way. Mm. Like, hey, do what you do and we'll just stand here and be cute. Nowadays, <laughs> you have two new people you know, telling people, other musicians and creative types, well, you know what, you need to change this. Like you said, well, take that guitar, guitar part out of the beginning of the song. Take that. Mm-hmm. And they're fucking it all up. Now, you let creative people do what they do, and they'll give you the goods every time. Yeah, man. And he, yeah. And he was at the, and he earned that, that space. Like, he fought through all of that. Like, that first mm-hmm. album, man, just being, having, you have to prove yourself to let them do your shit. You do it. You have some hits. And you just keep getting better and better. Now the circumstances around him change because, you know, he's moving up in the game, getting more money and more access to different equipment, different studios, more probably free time to just, man, I'm just doing music. I ain't doing nothing else. I'm at a position where I can say that now and actually make it happen. Then that's going to breathe a whole new level of music just because of that. Like before, he probably was like, well, yeah, okay. We can lock out the studio for a couple of days, you know, maybe a month. You know, Prince is in here working. But he ain't going to be in here every goddamn day for most of the year. He ain't got that kind of money. But what happens when he does get that kind of money? And now I, have, I can afford to get to hire other people to do all this other shit in life I don't want to do. <laughs> and all I got to do is eat, fuck, and play music. <laughs> right? That's it. And look good. <laughs> Look good in the motherfucker. That is a t-shirt. Eat <laughs> fucking play music. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I can, and he, you know, again, we're not, I'm talking about the music, but I think it all fits in. Like, if you look at him visually, how he progresses through the years, when he, if you look at him like a dirty mind and the way he had his clothes and the makeup and the hair, and obviously he didn't have the super budget. But he had the creativity. Yeah. Made yeah. do with what he had. 1999 look was a huge upgrade. Well, that was like, whoa, okay. We've got the, the aluminum, you know, glittery type purple jacket and the hair is even better and the makeup you learn it. You learn it, man. You all oh, shit. And then when he had the purple rain, that Ooh. visual was an upgrade from the 1999. Still kind of had the same aesthetic, but it was like, Oh shit, he got a little bit more. He got some money on the road. <laughs> he done upgrade. Yeah. He got different clothes. But once that purple rain money came in. Man was rocking a bouffant and yeah, high he, heels and taking your woman. Yeah, he was, <laughs> was on that some other shit. Where he was like, okay, listen. Not only do I have to, all I got to do is fuck play music, eat, but now I'm the sexiest, hottest motherfucker in the room. And I, I have, know it. <laughs> and I have women coming to my shows in lingerie. Right. What's up? <laughs> and, and I know that I'm that Nikki. That's the thing to me. When he, to the point where he knows he look good and he's a bad motherfucker, that's what, you hear that confidence in the music as well. And I think that type of stuff can breed where you can just 
do whatever the fuck you want. And you've been playing music for years and you can do whatever the fuck you want. To me, that's when it gets to something like this. Like this, nobody else will record no shit like this at the level that he was at. And this, I'm saying this is a good thing. Like, this shit is ridiculous. <laughs> this nigga, like, he on some other international funk. Like, what is this nigga? You know what I mean? Like, nobody had no songs like this. Like this is the same guy who just had we he had the song called Head and all but now listen to how his shit sound. He's still talking about the same type of shit, kind of. The little laugh he had, like that's a confident. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's like he's spitting like yeah, I got the the white girl singing the hook. <laughs> you know what I'm saying Different sounds Y'all niggas ain't heard These sounds before I'm on some International shit hey, It's over the word pussy in the song like it ain't nothing you know what I'm it was on some other shit and i love it man i was i wasn't ready for it at the time but god like just the confidence to be able to pull again it's almost like he's doing it on like i don't even have to write a song that would you know be conventional like why would i have to i don't have to do that i can do i can take these other styles and flip them twist them so far out still be funky as hell and like it doesn't have to work in pop radio i don't even care and the thing is when he did this <clears throat> there were eyes on him this right. isn't like slipping it on dirty mind when people weren't really paying attention they were looking at him and he yeah. still slipped it in there yeah man and and then just i want to jump to this one Again, no, nobody doing no funk, no, no shit like this at this time. And we've heard this so many times, I think we kind of don't listen to it, listen to it like we really be should, but like... This song is nasty. Like this is ridiculous. This is the whole. 
This is actually, I listened to this. This is like a freaked out, funked out version of like a Rufus Thomas type of song. Like the cat that had like do the funky chicken and oh, all yeah, those the types. Hot, the hot pink sweats? Yeah, yeah. The shorts? Oh, yeah. This that. reminds of that style actually, but it's just so like Prince style funk, you know. But it's that. You know, that's a. That, I know for people, I mean, this generation, that sound like, what is, that's a whole, there's a whole kind of generation that has that kind of feel that, your mama told me she was coming back or to my, the baritone sax is kicking. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I could see some big fat dude with yep. a cigar in his mouth, and like in a little club, and that's, it's almost like a blues romp type of thing. Like a juke joint or something, juke joint. Started raining, baby, the birds were gone. Oh, oh, oh. Love you, baby. I love you so much, baby. Baby, we can stay in touch. Musicology. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. You can hear a lot of his stuff later but yeah i mean i mean prince at parade time and and you know when you say that at that time there's all this other music that is going on with him during this period that you know sort of will go into the whole dream factory and crystal ball all that kind of shit like his sound was so like i can't even it's hard to describe man it's just it was so much it was so good so weird so funky that's why i would say to me that that period man like he was at the apex of just creativity with his music i want to say to say better but create creativity of it and just having that he had more time to record than ever at this point than he ever had and he had access to studios he had access to great studios yeah that's the thing too. Woo. Like just so much he's yeah. he's recording at this period, man. That's uh insane. And even being able to go back on old stuff that he recorded and redoing it during this period, them songs are not, you know, are ridiculous. Ugh. It's crazy, man. Crazy, crazy. Just jumping around. I mean, just so so you have that. You know, I don't even want to get into Sign of Times. Because <laughs> that's just... Genius. Whole, yeah, I mean, just... That is genius. So much stuff there. Um, let me play this one, because, again, I think this is, again, just indicative of the creativity, the... He's... It's almost like there's nothing he can't do or try at least. It's almost as if the ideas are almost drowning him out. It's <laughs> just like, I don't know what direction I'm going. I just ah, do everything in it. Standing over by the wall 
This is something where he's at the level where you have icons and legends like a Miles Davis basically letting me like, yo, man, you kind of on you on my level. You know, what I mean, like I'm 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 coming to you, giving you props and I'm trying to get down with what you're doing. Like, yeah, that's got to be crazy. That. yeah, someone like Miles gives you that kind of respect. And the fact that Prince is like, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah, let me, give, let me give Miles some hot shit. And then Prince saying, you know what? Man, probably respect you so much. Man, don't even put that out. Like, that ain't really, I don't think that worked with what you're doing. Now, and I'm saying that to say, like, probably a lot of cats, the ego would be so much that they'd be like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I know my shit is dope. He 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 coming at me. Yeah, put that out. Even and even if you feel like they ain't really your, your real shit that you should give. You know, like you have such a reverence for this other artist that nah, I ain't even wanna fuck up your shit, OG. And he telling you, I like him. Nah, I don't I don't think it's good enough. Where it would be just that'd be an easy bag layup. That'd be an easy clout chase for Prince to have Miles. You have a song on Miles Davis's shit, and you say, "Nah, <laughs> I don't even want. I'm not gonna even hold you, OG. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't. Nah, you shouldn't even put it out, man. Like that's a, that's a heavy thing to me. Like, because most artists would be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, man." You know I produce. You know, like it, I'm not dissing Pharrell and all these cats, but in the same way, you know, Pharrell and them was always chasing MJ. Like I, I had wrote this for Mike, but the people kind of like, eh, if Mike, eh, that's dope for Justin, not from Mike. Y'all wasn't ready yet. Let's keep it up, Buck. It wasn't, it wasn't on the level. But he probably like, yeah, yeah, put that out, Mike. So I, I just think that's a, that's a big step for Prince to be able to say, nah, I'm gonna hold that. Don't even put that out. Because, man, that's crazy. Miles Davis ain't no joke. That's a mad, that's like Yoda. That's the real, like, you know what I mean? For, see, you people, oh, purple Yoda. No, nigga, Miles is the Jedi Council. He wanted to, Miles, James, them cats, man. Herbie. Yeah. On some other shit, so that's crazy to me. Like he was at that level. Now he had arisen to the point where he got the illest, the most respected. Is is fucking with him. Like of course the the the, the, the classic performance where Miles comes to Paisley Park and the New Year's Eve thing. That's crazy. Actually, I mean that's some wild shit, man. 
And that's the part of Prince. That, that Now, that Prince that was on stage, he probably would have put that song out. <laughs> the Prince that was on stage with Miles at that page, that, that was the asshole. Like, that was the Prince was like, oh, I can eat this nigga. <laughs> I, I could eat. I could eat this motherfucker. This Miles Davis, but he on my sh- I'll I'll run the floor with this nigga. If he get out, play one other little note like you about to do something. <laughs> and he kind of low key does like, and more. And you can see Miles is kind of like, okay, let me jump in right here. And, and they ah, oh, this motherfucker got the band going into that. Okay, and you can see Miles like, oh, okay, I see what you're oh, doing. It's like that. Okay, yeah, I see what All you're right. doing. And he Miles, he kind of locking in with Miko a little bit. Like, oh, he's he's fucking with me. Let me. <laughs> and then Prince, oh, this nigga switch. Okay. He's like, okay, yeah, you, you got to play, but it's your house. It's past your bedtime, ain't it, Miles? Or something. Yeah, it's a little slick shit. <laughs> but that that Prince was, a, that's when there was the other part of Prince, though. He, he was ready to roll over niggas. The same way he did at that, uh, the more recent one, what was it? Hall of, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah. That was that same Prince, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Y'all, y'all just don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm going to get these motherfuckers. Watch. Watch oh, what I, I do. Have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and they were probably like, and I'm, so I'm sure someone was like, "I see what this nigga, ah, this mother, this motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the was it the young boy up there was like, "Oh shit, yeah, you see what he's doing?" Yep. I know some older cats. This motherfucker. This motherfucker. <laughs> this motherfucker right here. Yeah, Asshole. That was, that was George Harrison. Sounds like, dude, go, go, man, let it rip. <laughs> Some other rock dudes like I don't, I don't like this shit. This motherfucker here, yeah, man. I don't, like I don't like this shit. Doing what we do better than we do. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that. But yeah, man. And again, you know, Jimmy Jam has the best quote: "Prince will pick up your instrument and play it better than you do." <laughs> yeah, man. That competitiveness, man. Yes. Is no yes. joke. Particularly during this period when when the hit and run tour. With the revolution, super competitive. And going at his own camp. Yep. <laughs> you know the whole family, the you know mutiny and all that. Super competitive songs. Well, you know, bottom line is a lot of people, you know, a lot of accomplished musicians, just couldn't keep up. It's that simple. Yeah, yeah. He was on his. Y'all think this is purple ram? Boy, you don't know how much I done changed and what we got. Wrong building. <laughs> yeah. We're about to wipe the floor with these motherfuckers. And anybody step out of line can get it. <laughs> Morris, you're going to get it. You're going to get this work. <laughs> I got songs on you, Playboy. <laughs> I'm taking over. <laughs> mm. You took, did you give it? <laughs> yeah, with that <clears throat> and the whole. Punk of the month on Paul. Oh, yeah. Damn. Anybody can get it. <laughs> Any, nobody's safe. You're in the front row. You're in the, you're in the audience. Good. <gasps> Say Paul. Punk of the month. Slaughter. I'm like, he got like this nigga. God damn. <laughs> so he eating me up. And shout out to St. Paul. That's my man. Shout out to Paul. Um, but with that said, talking about sound, we, we, we'll get back to that. This record right here, I believe that this would have came out at the time back then. 
this would have been a, this already a headbuster. But if it would have came out back then, if this would have been on like the, I don't know, if, I can't remember when it was recorded. If it had been on a parade or if it would have been on uh, Sign of Times, headbuster. Hold on. This was a different sound for him at this I mean, this is crazy. Anna drew a picture of school today, one that made her mother cry. A picture of a woman with a drink in her hand, standing by a child with no eyes. Washington reaction based upon revenge, the baby's blown to kingdom come. Damn the logic, cartoon characters that look better when they're on the run. Danny dropped a dime on his girlfriend, and said he didn't want to go to jail alone. The thief lives in the same mind with a thought that says we be stone the people look for angels in the sky whenever they're broken hearted love is grown seeds are sown fires don't burn unless they stop did you ever feel the life is like looking for a penny in a large room Man, I gotta play that little part one more time. That shit is <laughs> nasty the way he vocalized that. Listen to how he does the, this verse. This is crazy. Prince a bad motherfucker, man. God damn. <laughs> that shit cracks me away. I don't even know what the fuck he said right there, but it just sounds so good. And just the way he said it, the rhythm of it, ah, the cadence. Man. This is... I'm going to talk about this song for a second. The fact that this never came out back then is just bananas to me. How do you not say to yourself, this shit is ridiculous. Like, this is fantastic. It's got to, even if it just was a B-side, if this would have been a B-side, ugh. Well, you can say the same God. thing about why did, why did he give away Dance Electric? Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is like, this is a whole, just that sound, like, this is like, I remember hearing this as a bootleg, you know, when it first, when it kind of leaked, you know, when you, when you heard it and it was like, this is a boot. I was like, whoa, because you've heard, you know, you hear other bootlegs and different songs, but I remember time stopped when I first heard, to me, when I first heard this, I was like, you're kidding me. <laughs> this is. This never came out, huh? I mean, I was like, how does this not ever come out? 
it's just like to me it's just fantastic like ugh. and it's unlike pretty much anything else you know damn it just was one of those things that just will always boggle my mind but it, I'm more boggled that he was like you know I got more I got better shit than this or uh, this just doesn't work with what I'm trying to do and and he you know stuck to his guns to stuck to his vision I guess more so than he would stick to yo this song is straight fire but it don't work <laughs> it don't work what I'm trying to at least in his mind I don't work what I'm trying to do but boy I tell you if that would have been on one of them albums back then that would have had to have been done live and I wonder oh. if there was a I mean there's the newer version I'm talking about back then if this would have been live oof I can only imagine what that shit would have been like. They could have broke that shit down. Friend, uh, sometimes you frustrate the hell out of me. <laughs> but yeah, man. I mean, so taking how that song sound versus those earlier rec like you can see like wow he is he's on the moon like his sound is whoosh. Um, let me give you a premise here go ahead. i'm going to make a proposition and we could probably do a deep dive on this at another point i was looking at you know the liner notes from you know for all the albums and all that and I see after a certain point, he stopped using female engineers. You mm. know, a lot, I mean, a lot of the, the later stuff, it's all guys, and it's all different guys. There's no consistency there. Whereas back in the day, okay, there's Susan, there's Peggy, you know, doing their thing and on multiple albums in a row. So you get, you get that uniform sound and... I'm looking at a few things in later years. There's like four or five different engineers on now. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Pick one and let's go. So maybe that affected sound a bit. I don't know. I wasn't there. There's something to think about. Absolutely. No, I mean, yeah, that's, you know, the, the, I guess people being able to keep up with him. Um, and then, you know, of course, music, the trends in music change. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And I think his whole career is Prince riding the waves of the current sounds and flipping them. You know, he's probably one of the rare musicians, artists that we've had who's been around through so many different changes in the culture of music. You know, because when he first came in the game, it was disco coming off of that sliding into sort of the new wave then r&b new wave you know <laughs> the funk movement the funk kind of computer funk he era. Had his, his um his i'll call it slight delve into grunge for that one video where he's wearing the plaid like what the fuck are you right. wearing Ch chaos and disorder <laughs> album sort of riding a little bit of the waves of the grunge movement yeah uh of course he's had his pop Oh yeah. oh yeah, his pop movement. You know, flipping pop music and doing it his way, rock sort of doing it his way. 
had his jazz period. Jazz, and, uh, yeah. You know, things like that. Hip hop, of course. Uh, back to New Jack Swing, 90s era R&B. I mean, he rode that wave for a very long time. Like, so he's always been taking these different styles and flipping them and making them his own thing where it's almost like, oh, that's his sound. You know? I think, to me, like the Prince sound, in my opinion, that people associate is sort of that uh, probably the 82, 84 sort of period where they think, oh, that's, that, that's the traditional Prince Minneapolis sound. But he goes on and still does his Prince thing in all the other musical movements that happen throughout the culture. Like he's never not a part of what's going on. Um, let's see if we can shit. We can get some example. This is a perfect example right here. This is in the era of jump around, get down, <laughs> jump up and jump and get down, you know. Jump, jump, jump. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen just to the production quality. Like, he's locked into that hip-hop style at this point. so radically in my mind at the time it was so radically different from what I thought of Prince that blew my mind when that song came out I was like god this guy <laughs> again he did it again <laughs> like I was like man I would have never thought he was gonna he was gonna come back like that rapping <laughs> like and it was like dope <laughs> yep <Like>, shit <laughs> let me go back to the drum board <laughs> Came back with a whole new vibe. Yeah, man. It's like, shit, this guy is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I want to also, I'm going to jump around. This is another song. And I put this on Facebook the other day and I was like, um, I could have seen this been Prince and Janet Jackson. So check this uh-oh. <laughs> uh. 
see the video of this. Like, listen to this and think that that's Janet singing with him. Particularly on the choruses. Stop tripping on something you overheard. Love is winning without a word. Stop giving me your wish list. Love is free from all this. Like a bird flying over the hilltops. Love is like the sky, you know, it never stops. The abundance of the heart and mouth speaks That is whatever, whatever you want it to be You see Janet doing a little dance move and shit Like, oh, shit this, The groove on this, damn Oh, yeah, man <laughs> Love is not a game you can play on the floor You gotta stop keeping the score If you wanna, if you wanna play me like you did before You better stop And shit, looking good. Prince doing his shit. No, man, this is like 2000 Prince, right? That was what 2007 or so. Yeah, man. And the thing is, though, when he did the sampler set on a Third Eye Girl tour, had he pulled this out like he did a mantra, I lost my mind. <laughs> I admit it. I'd have gave it up. Yeah, man. I see this. That groove is just unstoppable. Yeah, it is. Right. We got a little breakdown coming. This is a random the video right here. 
they be on the skating rink, Minneapolis. And all the old school people come back, Jimmy jamming them, show their cameo shot. Then Morris come in. Oh, shit. Then Jerome, you know what I'm saying? They do the whole big little dance thing. I see you standing with your back <laughs> on the wall. Better get your hands up and clap it, that's all. Don't wanna get yours, then let me get mine. Shit, it was in my reality, Michael would have came out. Start doing it. Anyway, let me stop. <laughs> that song is that's that song is dope, man. I love that song. I just every time I put on the mantra uh, three or show three, I go straight to that. Mm. Mm. Because it, and then Larry picks up the bass and does his little thing, and I'm like, yeah, it doesn't stop. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, again, he was still even his later years, still the shit like. The sounds changed, but it was the same prints. In my, it was the same stuff. Um, it was another one that I was listening to this the other day. This one right here. This is like classic Prince to me. Like I could hear this been on the first two albums. It just sounded a little different sonically, but to me, it just has that same vibe, in my opinion. Could it be the way I play guitar? Of the soft, I think he would have sung it more than spoke it, though. Yeah. But like in the chorus, to me, is that classic. You pick me out like you want something. Shame on you, baby. Can't you see this ring? What do you want me hey. to do, girl? What do you want me to do? That right there. What do you want me to do, girl? That shit's hot. What do you want me to do, babe? Yeah, man. <laughs> He's incredible. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, I mean, just God, it's just crazy to me. Um, but you can hear how his music, how the sound of it changes, how he adopts to different keyboard sounds, drum sounds. Sometimes he'll go live drums. Sometimes he'll have a very bright kind of recordings with a lot of the band stuff as opposed to just a very sort of tight like to me like the the, the later albums like Diamonds and Pearls for instance of course but even like um, what's that album Lotus Flower and different things even with the band stuff it's like, it's like a brighter kind of a, a roomier type of sound almost more more air around instruments yeah Versus to me, like, um, you know, particularly like with the time. More compressed. Yeah, it's just like, you know, it's a band, but it's not a band. It's just two people. You know, I guess the difference between him and one other person versus a full on band recording the music. 
But even some of the revolution stuff is not, it's, it seems more tighter um, the way that they played it. Where, so that's why a song like uh, Large Room is one of the first songs that kind of has that airy, kind of an airy type of sound to it. You know, it's not like super tight, but it's, you know what I mean? It reminds me, like I could see that fitting on what Diamonds and Pearls and those albums go, go on to be the way that they sound, if I'm making any sense in what I'm saying, but it's just a different vibe, man. Um, not saying that one or the other's better. Just No, no, it's just different. Just the different kind of sounds to it. Um, shit, just to jump in real quick. This is classic. Uh-oh. Ooh. And just the way that the drums are, drums are mic'd, I guess, too. Somebody got money right? <laughs> in the top studios or Paisley Park or wherever recording. Man, 
I, they, they would probably call this song woke today. Like, <laughs> it's going in all the talking points they got today. But he was early with it. Do you, you know this song is, you know, we're talking about influences. This song is heavily influenced by James Brown, uh, particularly this track right here. One, two, three, ho! Yeah. cognizant of this shit when I was a kid. These <laughs> records are ridiculous. And it's possible that Maceo play on both of them. I think he, well, it's very possible. I know he played on the Prince one, probably did, but yeah, I mean, ah, James Brown, that's a whole other Maceo. series of podcasts. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You can't have, you can't necessarily have Prince without James Brown. No. It, 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 it is what it is. You know. It is what it is. One of the greatest of all time, influencing one of the greatest of all time. <laughs> you know, it, that's why it's necessary to have, you know, signposts or things uh, in front of you, so that you can build off of, be influenced, and be influenced by great stuff. Like it's great that Prince is influenced by James Brown. Like who else should he be? You know what I mean? Like the greatest to ever do it. It's great that he's influenced by Stevie Wonder. It's great that he's influenced by Santana. Would you rather he be influenced by you know the ones that weren't good? Or something? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was a, it was a, he is a he and Prince is a fan of music, right? And he listens yes. to music. He loves it. Yes. So, of course, that's going to influence him. That's what's supposed to. So that's why you want to have the good stuff be out there so that the younger people, when they're listening, they have something to, to grow off of, like good shit to grow off so that they'll be even better or they'll take it to a whole other heights. They'll go places where James didn't even think to go. Or Santana or Hendrix or, you know what I mean? They was able to blend. He's able to blend it all, soak it all up and like, okay, now I'm going to give it to you in a way that. I tell all all the young people I work with, you know, especially in music, like, look, you know, there's so much out there to listen to. You know, step out of your comfort zone. Step out of your one genre. Look at everything because you can get inspiration from any place. You never know. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, it's 
Yeah, I guess there. You know, it's, it's easy to sit here and be an old man and be like, oh, they don't have it today. They do. It's just that I'm not plugged into it. You know, whatever these pe- whatever people think is great or whatever influences them, I guess it's well, out there. It's out there, but again, you know, this is a this is a whole topic for another show. It's out there, but the gatekeepers are fucking it up. That's the problem. Mm, in what way? What do you mean? Well, you know, you and I have talked about this before. If you look at, other than Silk Sonic, name three R&B bands that are out there doing something. On, on a big level. None. Not, now, like, you, like you point out to me, they're out there, but the gatekeepers aren't giving them any shine. It's all about American Idol, The Voice, this prepackaged bullshit. I, I don't like, even think those shows have any weight, though, either, though. Well, it's, not, it's not that the shows have weight. It's the style of music they're generating. Mm. You know, if you look at what's quote-unquote popular, that's all that is. That's all there is out there. It's like, fuck. You know, let's talk about something new. Let's look at something different. Like, for instance, with me, when I watched uh, the Grammys this year, my man, Chris Stapleton, country dude, tore that shit up. I'm like, why aren't we seeing more of this? You know, and again, I'm not going to rip anybody today, but there is more to music than just the little sample that the gatekeepers are giving us. When we lost real radio DJs and it all became a playlist of programming, mm-hmm. that's what really did it all. Because, you know, back in the day, a, a DJ would say, you know what, let me turn over this song. Let me try this deep cut. And, you know, you, you, you break new artists that way. Now they don't have that luxury and that freedom anymore. I see what you're saying. Um, I, I would say that I think, though, the deep cuts today are their are are their own genres unto themselves. And I mean by that is uh, there's these groups out that I admittedly don't know their names, um, but I'll see the examples of it. For instance, the other day, and I'm here in Seattle, Washington, and the place that I work is across the street from a performance uh, hall or theater called the Paramount. Big, you know, everybody plays there. Prince plays there. But they're doing shows now, right? There's tours coming every day or every other day. And there was a group up there. I forgot what the name of it was like. God, I was going to say Sea Biscuit or something. It was just some weird <laughs> name. Like, you know, I had never heard of it. And I was like, okay, there's always bands up there on the marquee I never heard of. But the thing is, there'd be like six, you know, four giant tour buses and semis <laughs> parked there. But the bigger thing that this week, I started noticing all these young girls dressed kind of, you know, high booty shorts. At first, I didn't think nothing. I was walking down the street and I was like, wow, she literally has her ass cheeks out. And this girl's walking in front of me. I was like, I don't see that every day. And then I look, I was like, wow, she's probably a teenager. I was like, this is odd. And then I, tr- I look across the street where the theater is. Mind you, this is like 1130 in the morning. There is a line of young girls <laughs> on the side of that building in line for the concert tonight. And I looked at the market. I was like, well, I've never heard of this group. But they must be hidden because there's kids out here standing in line, you know, eight hours before the show starts. And I've seen that periodically. And so that goes to tell me that 
I am so out of touch. But the game is still the whatever way these kids are hearing about this group because it wasn't some mainstream. Even I can hear the mainstream groups. They got enough of a following where they coming all the way up here to Seattle, Washington and got them lined up outside dressed in whatever that genre. Well, these girls, you would think they was going to some 80s Prince concert where they come in the canvas hall or something. I was like, damn, what is this? And I remember going outside a few hours later and I had a delivery coming in. It was a semi truck was delivering it. So I was going outside because he was going to have to stop the street. And one of the tour guys because their buses are all lined up. He came out, and, he, and I was like, oh, man, he's with, the truck is with me. We're just unloading. He's like, oh, no problem. And I started talking to him, and I was like, dude, who's playing? And he's like, well, I don't know. He's like, I don't know who the group is, but I know these girls ain't got no mamas and daddies. <laughs> 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 I was like, you know, I said, you know that too, huh? I was, like, I was like, hey, man, I can't call it because, you know, when we was young, we had our shit, you know. But I'm like, so I say all that to say, they're out there, man. Like, the, again, I, I just think that because there aren't really any influential radio DJs anymore, the internet has become that. And, you know, I question who is the gatekeeper because the gatekeepers would have probably kept that group from being anybody because they're not pop. You know, I mean, at least they're not to the, to the level where I would when I see pop music, but they obviously have an audience and it's probably super niched. But they may be the shit on IG or, you know what I mean? Whatever, YouTube, wherever they're listening to this and being exposed to it. Again, are they buying the albums? Uh, I guess they got the downloads or something. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to the record stores. So it's, it's just, I don't know, man. I think it's a different time. You know, my daughter really kind of hit me to the whole uh, like BTS type groups. You know, this Korean I guess pop groups. K-pop? K-pop. K-pop. Yeah, K-pop. She's all into that. <laughs> and at first I wanted to hate, like, ah. But I said, I said, you know what? Show me what you like. Play the video. Let's sit down. We're going to sit down and you show me this shit. And video after video. I had to, I, I, it was funny to me because I watch it and I'm like, wow, they're doing what the Ushers, Bobby Browns, mm -hmm. and all of those groups used to do. But they're just, they're doing it. You know, I'm like, but it's just Korean people. But you listen to the production and the music and the quality of it, it's top notch for that sound. And I was like, damn, they captured it. They, they are locked into that. And the budgets of this video, those videos look like million dollar plus videos, which you don't normally see anymore. And I was like, damn. And this shit's in 4K and all. I was like, I was like, wow, these their videos blow away the videos of our biggest stars today. Like I don't even be seeing. The, and I was like, she knows all of it, and and I'm like, man, I, I see why they hidden. And so I was that's like, a perfect, perfect example. Yeah. You know, BTS. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. With, with BTS and groups in that you know genre. And they've got these outstanding videos. We aren't seeing them on MTV and VH1 because they don't show fucking videos anymore. Right, but they're showing them on YouTube. Like, as I said, said there is no gatekeeper, uh, right? Yeah. The, the gatekeeper yeah, is just whatever you're into. <laughs> whatever the, the uh, I guess the gatekeeper is the algorithm. And, and each algorithm is specialized to your individual likes that you've been looking at. So as I'm saying, I think the stuff, 
the, the deep cuts are just now genres into themselves. And because we're not into that, we're not going to see it. But it doesn't mean that they're not being seen. Now, BTS is an extreme example because they're top of the food chain. Yeah, they're out there, yeah. But there were some of these other groups that she was showing me that I have never heard the name of. And they were just as good. There's a lot of female artists. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, and I told her, I said, you know, it's funny is you would love some R&B stuff, but you're just not exposed to it. You're used to seeing this music with these people doing it now. And I'm like, they ain't, they doing what was popping in the nineties. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're just doing black culture, black music, quote unquote, black music, but they're doing it. It's legitimately great. It's, it's everything Bruno Mars is. I, and I'm not sliding Bruno cause I'm a fan, but I was, it's the same sort of thing. I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe there's my, so my thing is to say, I think the only gatekeeping conspiracies brother to say is going on is that they keeping that music alive they just don't want to have anybody with black skin doing that music for whatever reason. But they're not canceling that music. That music is at the top of the damn food chain. It just ain't no black people doing it. I, 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 that's, that's the only thing I notice because when you hear the Dales and all this, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's sound like R&B to me. What's different See, about it? I tried to give Adele a, a, a listen. I listened to the first couple albums. It's just not for me. You know, when I see when I see Adele and I hear her, I don't get a, a R and B vibe. I get uh, try to be a Barbara Streisand type vibe, and and I'm not going to disrespect Barbara Streisand at all because she's Barbara Streisand, but that's not for me. And when I see Adele, that's what I'm thinking about. She's trying to capture that type of you know market, and that's fine. That's mm-hmm, fine. Mm-hmm. Do do your thing, but it's, <clears throat> it doesn't speak to me. Whereas I've seen some of these K-pop groups on IG pop up every so often. I'm like, okay, this is all right. And it's like you said, the music, music is, I don't want to say the same, but very similar. Very similar. And, and for whatever reason, it's really hitting over in that country. And that's that's fine, too. It's really like hitting said, Keep it out there. <laughs> I mean, it, it hit it's here. Wor- it's worldwide. One over there, hit back here. It's like, yeah. it's, it, the music is going to hit. You know, the, the good music is going to get out there and it's going to be heard. You know, yeah. But well, in again, the same all... sense of, like I say, like a Chris Brown, like the music that he does to me is very similar to what I was, oh. what she was playing. Oh, yeah. And I was oh. asking myself, well, I know there's more than Chris Brown that does that type of music, but it's interesting that none of them have the excess, success that these guys do. And I would, I don't even have to argue that the Chris Brown and uh, the Omari and all that, the, the music and the singing of the song struck, sounds way better than what that BTS, but for whatever reason, they don't get the success that these other people that do this style of music do. The same with Bruno Mars. Like Bruno Mars' stuff is excellent, but there are many other excellent guys that their music is just as great, but they don't get I, I, to me, that's what the gatekeepers are. Gate, gate, they're not allowing other people who traditionally do that music to get that type of shine. And I'm curious to, well, I'm not curious to why that is, but it's an interesting play. And I feel like that's what's about to really happen with rap. The last little bit of rap that's left, they'll, they're going to go ahead and cancel, put other people on it as well. Not gonna cancel the music, 
You can't cancel music. They've never canceled music. Whether the quality may not be the same, but there's always music. But you can change who's the face of it. And you can also change what it's about. You know, just like to, like with rap to me, they can't, they're not going to stop rap per se, but they can make it be, well, it, we're only going to show this version of it. You know, let, let it be. Them people can only be that way about it. Well, go ahead. You, you but, but this is not new. And the thing is, so the real... You know, our, we'll we'll make its way to the, <clears throat> to the surface. Will it be? Will it get that same promotional push? No, because I'm thinking about that sellout, copycat, rat bastard Pat Boone <laughs> ripping off all the, you know, all the Little Richard stuff. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Get the fuck. And the thing is, he got you know more popularity, arguably, arguably, but the kids are like, we're not buying this shit. We know what we hear, and this ain't it. Get the fuck out of here. Right, right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I agree with everything you just said. And I think the other part, too, that I think we sort of play into is that we have allowed this music to be aged. We've allowed the artist to be aged out, which, in my opinion, is the real downfall to quote unquote black music super success we've allowed there's two things we've allowed the artists to be aged out and we've also uh, forsaken the groups I, I disagree to an Go extent ahead. on that sure. because one of my clients here you know promotes exclusively you know old school R&B shows and mm-hmm. they are packed oh no doubt no 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 doubt but but you, you I would argue that you have to acknowledge that the old school R&B is pushed in a box. Oh, yeah. That's not going to say That's not going to, you know, you don't, they don't give the same reverence that, you know, they're not going to call Rolling Stones old school rock and roll or push them. They, them groups are celebrated by all the people and are taken serious. We have relegated our rappers. Oh, he old school. Nobody want to hear what he got to say. He ain't, you know, uh, same with the music artists. Oh, uh, you old. When those artists are dope, like I think Usher is a great example recently. Usher's always been dope. But he got pushed aside. And now he had his tiny desk thing that came out and kind of reminded people, yo, that month, cold. We forgot Usher was dope. <laughs> He'll blow these cats out today. But he's relegated to olderness. Like, you know, they got all these other new people. We've done that with the R&B people from the 80s and 90s. Push them aside for the new people. Of course, rap is built on that. Ugh. Right? Oh, he's old. He's old. I don't want to hear. Bring on Little Nas or bring on Ugh. Kodak Black. Or, but yeah, uh, Rakim is still dope. Yeah, but we're exactly. That's exactly. old. That's old school. We're not gonna. We're not gonna fill a stadium to go see that. Not unless you put all the old school groups in one package. <laughs> do they do the, Do all of them? I know they have rock. I'm sure they have rock package shows, but I ain't never seen the flyers for uh, Rock Fest. Sammy Hagar. 
da, 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 da. maybe they do have that. I, I they, don't know. They do. Okay. <laughs> but I always see. They do. Uh, more stay in the time. SOS band. That you know. Tony, Tony, Tony. Doing, you know what I mean? They're doing one right now. It's uh, it's Jesus. Motley Crue, uh, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, okay. Joan Jett. Ugh. You know, and other ones you have Lover Boy, Lover Boy, Lover Boy. Okay, <laughs> out there doing their yeah. thing and Night Ranger. Yeah, so that, Night Ranger. Okay, so they it's do all have the it. same. Okay, I mean, they're all doing it. But you, I, I, I just argue that I think with this genre, though, it is, and I'm saying the people do this, oh, I where agree. they just don't give the same reverence or respect. For the same people that they used to jam out to, like you know, what I mean? like used to buy it on records and be all into it. Now, for some reason, you think they suck because they're not of the current times, and then you just shift and you forget them. I mean, they did that to Prince for a while. Shit, keep it a buck. And again, we got to keep you know keep keeping the buck. We are not the target audience either for the marketing. They don't they don't care what we buy. You know, so I get that because. When you tap into that 17 to 34 demographic, especially the female demographic, that's where your money is. Mm, that's true. So when they pimp to that demographic, if we buy it too, that's great. If we don't, they don't give a shit. So I yeah. get that. Yeah. But we got to not let that decide how we take in music, though. Right? Uh, I agree completely. You know, because again, and you, you know, you, me, and you are actually much more than I am. You got to be open to new things like you know you sat down with your daughter and she you know hipped you to, to what she's into because it's not something on your radar you know and we all should do that you know because there's more out there than like for me there's more out there than you know prince and van halen and <laughs> kiss and you know sly stone there's a lot more out there i just have to you know be open to listen to it yeah some i'm gonna like some i'm not gonna like but that's okay yeah yeah and we, yeah, and the, the 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 gatekeepers of the old, that's that's over. Like they're not they're not going to curate it to us. No, you know? no. And I think, like I said, we have to be careful of these algorithms because it'll just keep us in our little comfortable lane and just keep showing us the shit that it feels like. Oh, this is what you're into. You know, you know, you don't need to go outside of this. And that's sort of the danger because we're only just gonna see what we're into are not going to be exposed to other things. And that, that goes across the board, whether it's political stuff, news, you know, any type of news that you're taking in is sort of being curated in a thing that they think you're liking. And if you always just keep going along and clicking on that, then you're just going to get deeper into that niche. And there might be other stuff that's outside of what you, what they think you would like and what you've been looking at that you're just going to miss. And that's what's happening to me. Like, as I said, there's so many groups out there, but I'm just not into those things. So, of course, I'll never see it because I, I'd have to actively step outside of the shit I'm looking at all the time to go find it. And there's nobody there, like, the, like you said, the radio DJs or MTV that are guiding your hand at this point for whatever reasons why they were doing that. But that's gone. You know, the algorithm is guiding your hand. And see, for me, I'm at a point now, with, especially with live music, and we've talked about this. My days of the arena show, that's over. Fuck mm. that. You know, if I can go to see a band that I like, you know, that's really not at the peak popularity-wise anymore because they, they go in cycles, but if I can see them on a smaller stage 
in like a theater or a club setting, I'm just ecstatic. Because I remember when Prince did the, what was it, Coming to America tour, mm -hmm. I'm like, yep, pass, none for me. But when he did the small tour with Third Eye Girl, I'm like, I'm, that's where I'm going to be. <laughs> I want to see that. Yeah. 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 So, and now it's like, I don't know who I would go see. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if if the original time got back together, I would go see that. That would be a, a heart, cool little tour. In a heartbeat. Yeah. That would be cool. But other than that, you know, I hear great things about uh, Silk Sonic, but me, me, me. I would love to see it. It's just yeah, one distance, but they're so expensive. Like, God damn. I remember when Bruno came here years ago, he was charging more than Prince which was charging for tickets. I just was like, you know, I'm glad you said that because a lot of shows nowadays, and I'm looking at you, Live Nation, Ticketmaster, fuck you guys. Damn. You know, these things are just priced in these insane numbers. And then it's like, really? Why am I paying for this? Well, you get all this and this, man. Fuck that. No, thank you. That's why I, if I can avoid that whole scene, I will. And for the record, like live, first, live Nation, all them. That was him. <laughs> I'm yeah, trying to yeah, do brand. I'm trying to do brand deals and, and opportunities. <laughs> I, I don't condone any of that. You know, when, when I did the Prince tour, when I'm Third Eye Girl, and I saw the tickets, I'm like, oh, I gotta get these. And I just clicked on the button and said two fifty. I'm like, God. Damn. And I thought, but it's Prince, and I can afford it. Let's go. Right. You know, everybody, in my opinion, doesn't warrant that type of uh, expenditure. Because, again, no disrespect to Bruno and the Silk Sonic gang. I'm not spending that kind of money to see them. Sorry. No. Yeah. Man, but, but but there are people that are, that are doing yeah. that. And I'm yeah, not mad at them. You know. Hey, do your thing, um, yeah. But... Uh... I'd pay yeah. to see the time in a heartbeat. Wouldn't even blink. Oh, you make like but the OG time. The the time. <clears throat> Not more than, you know, two fifths of the time. No. I don't see the time, Jimmy, Terry, Monty, the whole crew. Mm. Otherwise, pass. I'm gonna say this right now about the time and them cats, man. Um Make sure you take an opportunity to go see Morris Day in the time or whatever it is. Because keep it real, man. It's, you know, just be honest. They're not going to always be here. No, no. These guys are not getting younger. No. And you would hate to be in a world where, man, ain't no more Morris Day or he can't get up no more. You know, you'd be like, man, remember they used to always come to the casino and they'd be, oh, I, I was a minute ago. Now you can't never go. So go see them at least once or two, you know, go, don't take it so much for granted thinking that, oh, one day they go, maybe they don't, maybe the next tomorrow or the next day, like, you know what, such and such happened or, you know, anything can happen. These brothers, I'm glad that they're all up and running, man, but there's a lot of time that's being going and uh, like always, yeah, we would have said the same thing about Prince, man, like, oh, he'll always be on the road. He'll be back on the tour next year. I'll go see. He ain't okay. here no more. You ain't gonna yeah. never see him. I have one regret like that. Oh uh, god, four actually several years ago, DMC was here at a comic convention of all things. Sorry. And I'm like, 
nah, I'm not going to go. And then I would start watching interviews with him. Mm-hmm. DMC and I are the same dude. We really are like, damn, I, I want to meet this guy now. <laughs> and I, of course, he has to be back out this way. I'm like, ah, trying to be crazy. So, if, so don't don't miss that opportunity. You know, because yeah. you nothing is guaranteed. You know, if they're going to be here, go see them. Yeah, man. Yep, yep. Well, shoot. I think. Wait, we, wait, wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, Before okay. we wrap it up, yes, sir. I wanted to wait till the end. There is a new documentary out. It is called "Who You Gonna Call." It is the story of Ray Parker Jr. Hmm. It's on Amazon. Highest possible recommendation. Okay, I think I've seen that slide by my thing. Let's Ray see. is that dude. I had no clue. Ray is that guy. I mean, he he is a master class musician. He really is, hmm. and he's played. And he, he's one of those. I put him in that same crew of, you know, the Toto, uh, Greg Thillen Games, the Steely Dan's, mm-hmm. those session dudes that play on everything. Ray's one of them. Okay, he's played on all kinds of stuff. You have to check that out. Dave Hampton always oh, speaks very highly of uh, Ray Parker Jr. I can see why. Mm-hmm. I can see why, man, because, wow, his catalog of things, or his credits, uh, amazing. Hmm, okay. And again, we've talked about this, too. I mean, and, and great as Prince was, and he was so young and got a record deal, yet yeah, Ray did it first. <laughs> you know, Clive Davis is like, whoa, get him. How old is he? 16? I don't give a shit. Get him. Wow. And he had his own record deal. Wow. I didn't know that. Oh, yes. Ray is heavy. Ray Damn. Ray needs a biography. <laughs> okay, that's what Ray needs. Ray, Dwayne Tudal, handle this. Hilarious. Okay. <laughs> Ray definitely needs a biography. It's, it's if, and it's And I'm sure after watching it, I'll realize, like, wow, I'll speak for myself. I just put him in the who you're going to call Ghostbusters box because that's the biggest thing I know of him but obviously he's so much more than that uh, but it just goes to show how an artist can be so overshadowed by so, such success yeah you know what I mean yeah. like so I can and, and you know I guess the same way if, if I can get mad at somebody's why are you on Purple Rain all the time why are you on Ghostbusters song all the time like Ray Parker's got radio and all this other stuff um, I'm gonna check that out absolutely um, I did, I did I don't even like the Ghostbusters song honestly. <laughs> I never have liked it. It's just a, it's so catchy. It's so goddamn catchy. <sighs> you know, it's, it's so corny and so goddamn. I mean, yeah, he's corny. A I, brilliant you know. songwriter to write some shit like that. <laughs> you know, I look at Ray then because when I hear Ray, I'm thinking, you know, the other woman. Right. Or a woman okay. needs love. I'm like, right. that's Ray. You know, and the thing is, like the instrumental jams for those who like to groove, without that, to me, that is t- connected straight to Teddy's jam. Same type of vibe. Hmm. Little instrumental beat in the okay. an album, like, boom, put it in there. Wow. That's funny, though. Ghostbuster, who are you going to call? That's such a big song. Like, Just, you know, now, just quickly, just the conversation. Like, remember, just the big movie songs, you know, there's that. Of course, there's... Um, now they're all escaping. Titanic. Ugh. Uh, y- yes, I don't know I that hated one. That song. I, re- I vaguely remember that one. 
uh, car wash. Uh, car wash is good though. Like Kurt, Curtis Mayfield has you know Superfly. Superfly. And all those songs. Of course, Prince has Purple Rain and Bat Dance. <laughs> <laughs> What's some of the other big movie songs? There was that song. I don't know the name of it, but I know some of the listeners. The last one I can think of was the one that was with the Fast and the Furious. It was Wiz Khalifa or something? Oh, I don't know. It was the movie. It was the one where uh, Paul Walker had passed. I think they played the song at the end of the movie or something. It ended up being a big song. Um, gosh. Let's do it again. <laughs> that was for me. Um, I'm not familiar with that because that franchise to me I did not it's not my thing Fast and the Furious yeah interesting well I, I'm surprised you haven't seen at least the ones with The Rock I was gonna say those are the ones I have seen oh okay yeah, yeah. you know the ones beyond that yeah <laughs> now you're not missing too much not missing much um, well real quick since just also mentioned I, I did a live talking about this movie but I thoroughly enjoyed the Elvis movie really oh yeah loved it loved it yep in my opinion if you're if you're a fan of music I don't care if you oh he stole that I don't care what you think <laughs> but you can uh, the movie is well made it's a great story uh, again it's not not to change your thoughts on Elvis but this is a good movie and wow it's some well done and interesting information I thought it I didn't know much about them, so for me, I was I was like, "Wow, this is this is great!" And as a music guy, I have to res- I respect it. I was like, "Okay, yep, love it." Is up there? Is up there with that movie with the Queen a couple years ago? Really? Oh yeah, easily. I actually like this better. That's just me. I don't want to overtalk it. You be hyping up too much. I just thought it was no, cool. no. You're usually right on these things, though. That's the thing. You know, you're right more than you're wrong by a by a wide margin. You, I think you should definitely check it out. I think you were very. Oh, I'm definitely. You know me. Yeah. It's good. The, the kid who played Elvis, phenomenal. My God. He and Tom Hanks from, played Colonel Parker. Yeah. He, wow. <laughs> and that guy. <laughs> That's my guy, man. I don't miss Tom Hanks movies. Oh, okay, you're about to say Colonel Parker. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Oh, Colonel Parker was foul. <laughs> he was foul twenty four seven. That was the original shook. I mean, without the beating people, but just yep. janking you out of your contract. Just, oh, yes. Mm, Jesus. Yeah, Colonel was a piece shit. of work. Man. He was a hustler's hustler. I, on one hand, I salute him for just the spirit of the hustle, but I mean, he was he was a dirty hustler. I don't I don't salute that part of it. How's the baby? <laughs> Want you to know. Yeah, he was he was he used all his powers for bad. <laughs> Terrible. But yes, very good movie. All right. Well, we're going to get up out of here. Uh, this was fun, actually. We had a good time. Man, I love talking to music. You, ain't, you, you know you come to the right place. <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, we want to thank you, the listener. Hopefully you had a good time. And uh, we'll see you the next go around. With that said, work it like a job. Peace. You guessed it. Right. You know... Every night I would kneel down to say my prayers and he would say, you better pray for a strong back because I'm knocking it out tonight, baby. This is rated M for the choice.
Cause it's Choke no joke She got all my money spent And now I got nothing left to pay rent Cause it's Choke no joke Stroke no joke. 